Hello, this is Supriti from Newslaundry.com, bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Tuesday, the 10th of August. India registered more than 28,000 cases of COVID-19 and over 370 deaths in the last 24 hours. The total COVID tally now stands at over 3 crore 19 lakh, while the death toll has crossed 4 lakh 28,000. These official figures however have been widely reported to be undercounts. More than 51 crore 45 lakh vaccine doses have been administered in the country so far, of which 51 lakh were administered yesterday. The Indian Express reported that more than 60% of vaccine doses were administered in the country's rural vaccination facilities over the last 3 weeks. A report by scroll.in has found that more than 40% of the districts in the country do not have an RT-PCR lab to conduct COVID-19 tests till date. The Delhi government has issued guidelines for opening up schools in the capital. Physical classes for 10th to 12th grade were allowed to commence from yesterday. The Delhi government has also allowed pregnant women to get vaccine doses at health facilities where they report for their regular checkups. Globally, COVID-19 has infected over 203.3 million people so far, claiming the lives of more than 4.3 million. Bloomberg reported that China has punished several government officials for failing to curb the resurgence of COVID-19 in the country, as it reported nearly 900 symptomatic cases in less than a month. It reported 143 cases yesterday, which is the highest number of cases reported in a day on the mainland since January. The Supreme Court today urged petitioners in the Pegasus spyware allegations to avoid engaging in parallel debates on social media. The Chief Justice of India, C.V. Ramana, observed while hearing the batch of petitions, and I quote, All petitioners are expected to answer the queries of the court through debate in the court, end quote. A three-judge bench has been hearing the petitions on the allegations that Israeli spyware Pegasus was used to spy on multiple Indian politicians, journalists and activists. In the last hearing, the court had observed that the allegations, if correct, were serious in nature. All the petitioners were asked to serve a copy of their pleas to the central government. The petitions have been filed by the Editors Guild of India, former editor of the Hindu Enram and Asian College of Journalism chairperson Shashi Kumar and former union minister Yashwant Sinha among others petitioners also include journalist Paranjay Guhathakurta Prem Shankar Jha and SNM Abdi who are on the purported list of potential Pegasus spyware targets in another development in the Pegasus allegations the ministry of defense yesterday told rajya sabha that it has not had any transaction with nso group technologies while answering a question about whether the indian government had association with the israeli surveillance firm the company's spyware pegasus is only licensed to vetted governments the defense ministry's response could be considered as the center's first direct reply to repeated questions from the opposition parties on whether the administration used the pegasus spyware the monsoon session is currently underway in the rajya sabha and the government is refusing to allow a debate on the pegasus leaks this is very distressing considering the upper house of parliament is perceived as a watchdog that must assert itself as a house of correction Now the media is the watchdog of all affairs of government and polity. So what happens when members of the media themselves join the Rajya Sabha as members? How have they fared in their role as watchdogs within the watchdog? My latest report on our website takes a look at exactly this. I profiled 5 media personalities in the Rajya Sabha, 
including Subhash Chandra, in terms of their participation in the House. The report is titled, Watching the Watchdog. How have Rajya Sabha members with media backgrounds fared? As you can see, this is News Laundry's essential role. We hold the media as accountable as we do politicians. So do consider subscribing to us. We are a team that is fighting to keep news free and independent, and we need your support. Our lowest subscription starts at only 300 rupees a month. Pay to keep news free. The Supreme Court said today that political parties must publish criminal records of their election candidates within 48 hours of their selection. With this, the court modified its judgment from February 13th last year, which said that the criminal history of election candidates must be made public either within 48 hours of selection or two weeks before the first date of filing nomination papers for an election. The court had added that political parties must publish their records in one regional and one national newspaper, and also on Twitter and Facebook. The court also said that state governments cannot withdraw pending criminal cases against MPs and MLAs without getting approval from high courts, adding that a special bench will soon be constituted to monitor the progress of such cases against legislators. Bharatiya Janta Party leader Ashwini Upadhyay and five others have been arrested by Delhi police for their alleged involvement in raising inflammatory slogans against Muslims at a rally in Delhi's Jantar Mantar on August 8th. According to an Indian Express report, the five other men have been identified as Deepak Singh, Vinod Sharma, Vineet Kranti, Preet Singh and Deepak. Deepak Singh was reportedly the first person to be detained late last night after the police took him into custody from his Delhi residence. On Monday, the police filed an FIR in the case against unknown persons, despite multiple video clips from the rally clearly showing the identities of the participants. Supreme Court lawyer and former spokesperson of Delhi BJP Ashwini Upadhyay posted multiple tweets asking people to join the event. Another BJP leader, Gajendra Chauhan, was also among the attendees. The unknown persons have been booked under sections related to promoting enmity between different groups and disobedience of orders promulgated by public servants. BJP's Ashwini Upadhyay had called for the march at Jantar Mantar as part of his Bharat Joro Unite India movement on Sunday evening. The organizers demanded an end to colonial-era laws by setting up a uniform civil code in the country. The Indian Express reported that they had not taken the Delhi police's permission to organize the rally. Listeners, if you're wondering who are these men who shouted inflammatory slogans against Muslims, watch Shivangi Saxena's video report on newslaundry.com, where she spoke to some of the organizers of the August 8th rally. One of them, a man named Uttam Upadhyay, told her, and I quote, The economic boycott of Muslims has to be done to save the country. Stop buying goods from them. Only then we'll be able to break them. End quote. This, however, isn't the worst of this rally and its organizers. To know more, check out the report titled Population Jihad Must Be Stopped. Meet the men who shouted anti-Muslim slogans in Delhi. The central government told the Rajya Sabha yesterday that more than 8,400 Myanmar refugees have crossed over into India after the military coup in the country on February 1st. Ajay Bhatt, the Minister of State for Defence, said, and I quote, At the Indo-Myanmar border, Post-military coup, which came into effect from 1st February 2001, 8,486 Myanmar nationals, or refugees, crossed over into India, out of which 5,796 were pushed back 
and 2690 are still in india end quote bhat was responding to a question asked by biju janata dal mp saspit patra about how many infiltration attempts took place at india's international borders this year he added that 33 infiltration attempts in the first 6 months of 2021 were at the indo pakistan border while 441 attempts were made at the indo bangladesh border during the same period last month the human rights watch had said citing media reports that 16000 myanmar citizens crossed into manipur arunachal pradesh mizoram and nagaland after the military coup the human rights group added that indian border guards had not pushed back arrivals from myanmar and that states in the northeast were willing to rehabilitate them however there was no clarity from the central government about the status of these refugees listeners i'd like to recommend you to watch a video report on newslaundry.com on how the people of mizoram are engaging in providing relief measures to refugees from myanmar it is titled how are mizos dealing with burmese refugees fleeing the coup india urged its citizens to leave afghanistan on a special flight today which is scheduled to take off from mazar-e-sharif city this evening the development came amid the worsening security situation in afghanistan PTI reported that staff members from India's consulate in the city will also be evacuated. Al Jazeera reported that the Taliban, having launched an offensive against the Afghan government and capturing several cities, said that they were moving towards Mazar-e-Sharif. Clashes between the Taliban and Afghan forces have escalated as foreign troops prepare to withdraw from the country by the end of this month. Last month, India had temporarily evacuated consulate officials from Kandahar. Days after that Reuters India chief photographer Danish Siddiqui was killed in the city while reporting on the clashes. That's all the news we have for you today. Have a good day or a good night depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the news laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. Catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs, and sport. Visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel.